Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me on this Tuesday, August 18th edition of Bang the Book Radio. My name is Adam Burke, your host for the next half hour as we chat with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Outline. We're going to talk about the NHL playoffs. We're going to talk about the Northern Trust, which is the first event of the FedEx Cup playoffs this week at TPC Boston. Then we'll finish up with the Indy 500, which is coming up here this weekend, and Brian's got some thoughts on that for you on today's show. Over at bangthebook.com, we are your one-stop shop for sports betting news and information. Lots of great stuff going on over there. My daily MLB picks and tips piece, preview of the Northern Trust, continued coverage of the NHL and the NBA playoffs, UFC, NASCAR, we'll have an Indy 500 preview as well. We're not that far away from the Kentucky Derby, so we'll be talking about that here in the near future. And of course, the football season coming up here as well. And speaking of the football season, if you're going to be in the Westgate Super Contest or the Circus Sports Million uh, or any of the other contests that are out there in Las Vegas, if you don't live in the state of Nevada, you will need a proxy service. Maddie and Tony over at footballcontest.com have been our preferred proxy service for all of those contests. We'll be using them again here for this year's contests, and they do a phenomenal job. They're very easy to work with, very approachable, easy to get in contact with if you have any sort of issues. So check out Maddie and Tony over at footballcontest.com. Finally, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio, presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook, BTB, and the number 200 is that promo code, 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook, 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. One guest on today's show, that is Brian Blessing, host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline, among other things. Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, uh, Adam, a lot on the plate. I mean, the hockey's been great. Uh, The hoops, you know, action in the morning, afternoon, and night. Uh, It's awesome. It's a way to dive back in here, uh, hoping against hope that uh, things continue to improve and football finds a way. Well, let's take a look here at the NHL card for Tuesday. We'll also give you some thoughts on the Wednesday card here as well. We'll do that in a second. But first, Brian, I want to ask you, based on what we've seen here so far, what's the biggest surprise of the first round of the NHL playoffs for you? Um, I like the Islanders. I have a future on the Islanders. Uh, dominating the Caps, I think, would probably qualify uh you know and the, the whole thing was the break came for these guys i bet them at 25 to 1 back in february and then they literally drove off a cliff and they weren't going to make the playoffs so the break came at a great time for them and you you know you get a simple system with a coach barry trotz that knows how to match up against other opponents that, see that's a, that's why an eight can beat a one in hockey you know, it's one thing, and you don't want to diminish the regular season. Uh, first of all, it's a different thing. It's a gauntlet to get in. you got to make sure you get in. But once you get in, the goaltender is the great equalizer, and frankly, so is the coach, because when you're playing the same team every 48 hours, you can be a matchup nightmare, and that's what the Islanders are. I thought they'd, I thought they'd fare well. I thought, okay, I didn't think they'd be, you know, putting the Sasquatch foot on people. Well, and that's the thing with the Islanders in this series. I mean, look, you can apply an obvious caveat to this series. Without Nicholas Backstrom, the Capitals are a much different team. But the Islanders have dominated this series five on five. I mean, they have easily been the better team. And 
You, you talk about goaltending and the importance of that. I mean, look, we saw Darcy Kemper steal a game for Arizona. We saw Corey Crawford steal a game for Chicago. It's happened here, but the better teams are mostly holding up at this point in time. You could argue Washington's better than the Islanders, but you know, Washington without Backstrom and with the current state of Braden Holpe, they may not be better than the Islanders. So the goaltender is the great equalizer, but the better teams here do look like the better teams for the most part. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't blame Holpe. I, I don't think he's been hideous. I mean, and Backstrom's important, and there don't, there's no getting around that he's the table setter. But, I mean, you've still got Ovechkin. Uh, you've got Wilson, who's tailor-made to play in the playoffs. And you've got the Norris Trophy winner. There, there's a, there, you know, I mean, the Islanders are – I give the Islanders credit. I mean, I, the Islanders are playing at a very high level. And their, their, their plan is simple, and that is go for it out of the gate. And if they get the lead, you got a problem. And they've been following the formula to a T. Well, speaking of great equalizers here, Carey Price has allowed three goals in three games of this series, and yet the Canadians are down two to one. They play the first game here today, three o'clock. Philadelphia, dollar twenty-five to dollar thirty-five favorite out there in the market, depending on where you look. I mean, look, Carey Price deserves a better fate in this series with how well he's played. But Philadelphia's played well. Carter Hart has played well. The Flyers have done what they've needed to do to take this slim series lead. What happens today at three, Brian? Does this series get evened up, or does Philadelphia put Montreal on the brink? I don't like this series. There, there's nothing about it I like, and you know this is this is a game I'll be watching. Price is capable of of winning any game. The the, the numbers you just threw out there, and everybody is flipping out about the Flyers. And I'm like, I know they they had a big winning streak at the end of the year, and they look good coming up here. You know, but the round robin games that, that they were a gong show. I, uh, you know, I think Philly probably gets by it. The the price is right. Would you say it was twenty cents? Yeah, and Philadelphia's minus one twenty five. Well, uh, that's pretty low uh, for a team that people were talking about them like they were the Central Red Army team. You know, I thought I thought they'd fare well here, but I I. You know, people were ready to hand them the cup. I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't see it. I think they're they're pretty, they're good. Um, but no, no, this is one. Honestly, I, I'm probably on the sidelines with this one. Uh, maybe an in-play wager. Watch and see how it goes. Uh, total's got to be what five under thirty. I'm guessing. Yeah, five. Uh, you can find under five even money out there. Well, I I'd, I'd probably lean five, uh, under five with price and and you know heart heart's been good. If I had to, if I had to play, it'd be the under. Calgary and Dallas coming up here today. This is a two-two series, but again, this is one. If you look at the stats, look at the metrics. Dallas has easily been the better team, especially at five on five. But they've squandered some out, some opportunities. Ben Bishop unfit to play. Anton Hudobin has had to be the guy here, and Cam Talbot's played really well, not only in the qualifying round but also in this series. But Dallas a minus one twenty five favorite as well. Did they win this game five here today? You know, if Calgary had played anybody in the West other than Dallas, uh, I'd have been all over it. Uh, the Calgary win over Winnipeg was flawed, uh, with Shifley getting hurt in the first period, then Liney, and their defense was an atrocity. And they get Dallas, who is hard to trust. And then there were question marks about Bishop. Um, and I think it's telling that I, I think Dallas 
I had them the last game, but they're pulling teeth just to get the win. But I, I think Calgary's phony. I don't trust Dallas, but I got to say I probably trust Dallas more than Calgary, and, and I think Dallas wins uh, wins wins it in six. I, I think Dallas wins the next two. I, I in spite of themselves. I mean, they've had they've done so many stupid things. They had a the first game they had a two goal lead, and they take they have a power play with like four minutes to go or five minutes to go and give up a shorthanded goal. Then with three minutes to go, Radulov takes a penalty in the offensive zone and they get a power play goal to tie it. It's like, you know, Dallas is impossible to trust too. But I am, if, if whoever comes out of this year wins this, they're getting pumped in the next round. Washington and the Islanders tonight. The Islanders have flipped to a favorite here. They're in the minus 115 range. Vegas hovering around a $2 favorite now. These two series could end tonight. The Islanders looking for the sweep. Vegas looking to finish it in five. And this is something you kind of wonder about here in the first round. I mean, I know these guys are professional athletes. I know they're all competitors, this and that. But, you know, now you've been away from your families for a little while. You've been away from your friends. You're in this bubble where you can't do a whole lot. I sort of worry about these teams that are on the brink of elimination Maybe kind of mailing it in. I know Chicago won game four, but they got horribly outshot in that game. Very, very bad. Crawford made, what, 48 out of 49 saves in that game? Are both of these series over tonight, Brian? I actually believe Washington can win this game. Ovechkin is not a quitter. And there's a part of me that says the best thing that ever happened to Vegas was that they lost that game. Because had they won, they'll be sitting around in a bubble for nine days. No family, no, no, okay, whatever. Playing hockey is probably the best thing for them. Uh, I think it was Nick Cousins, or maybe it was March or so, said, uh, you know, well, we're excited for the next game, and it's good to be around the rink. Because all they're doing is some of them go over and watch the games, uh, and to be sitting idly by, you know, I, I don't think the Islanders are sitting there, uh, want to be playing with fire and and give these guys any life. But I just I don't believe Washington packs it in, and and I don't think it would necessarily be a bad thing for the Islanders uh, to not let rink rust creep in. So I I kind I mean I, I like the Islanders who win in the series. I kind of like Washington today. As we look ahead to Wednesday here, Columbus and Tampa Bay, the early game. And look, the Blue Jackets kind of got shafted in this series because they play that huge game five against Toronto that, I mean, it was a self-inflicted wound. They should have won game four. They play less than 48 hours later in game one against Tampa Bay, go the four overtimes, wind up playing the equivalent of like seven games in two days or some, or three days, something like that here. They look like a team out of gas. Corpusalo's kept a minute. But Tampa Bay has carried the play throughout this series. Is this one over at noon on Wednesday? Likely, but I'm a believer in Tortorella, and this team's got a lot of fight and, and a lot of bite to them. I mean, they've dug themselves the hole they can't get out of. Likely, um, you know, I'm not I, I'm not laying the number with Tampa Bay. I, the one thing I would say. I mean, I'm a. I think Columbus can circle the wagons and and win another one, but the one thing I'd be more prone to say 
and I think you saw it in the Colorado-Arizona game yesterday when that sense of reality kicks in uh, in, the, in the elimination game. Because Corpusalo has been so good, uh, I think the over would be uh, the safest play uh, in that game tomorrow because I think it, you know, once, once the reality kicks in, the game gets away from you. I mean, so Columbus would still have a chance to, to if they play a track meet kind of game, you know, Columbus could maybe maybe get the win. Uh, but I, I would venture a guess this would be a more up and down kind of game tomorrow. Four o'clock Eastern time, Carolina and Boston tomorrow. Boston, dollar forty-five favorite to finish off this series. Tuka Rask opting to leave the bubble. Some people saying that's a good thing for Boston with Yaroslav Halak, maybe a little bit more focused, a little bit more engaged. What do you think about that one tomorrow afternoon? Does Boston end it? Probably. I mean, Carolina, I'm I'm still I went right to bed when it was over. Uh, the Carolina loss last night cost me a great day yesterday. They're up 2-0 in the third period, and Reimer decides to come out of the net. If you're coming out of the net, you've got to get there. He comes out of the net, he gets caught, and uh, DeBrus puts it by him, and then the floodgates open, and it turned into close your eyes, put blue jerseys on these guys. It was Reimer, and and, and the Hurricanes were awful. They were outshot 15-0 uh, for the majority of the third period, got one shot on goal and scored. Um, but they they gave up four goals in the third period. It was like if you remember that Leafs game where the Leafs had the series won, and the Bruins destroyed them at the tail like in the last seven minutes of the third period and won the series. It was like it was like time tunnel. Uh, I I don't know how Carolina responds to that because it it was a, a hideous collapse. Uh, clearly, Morazic's going to get the call. Justin Williams maybe can rally these guys around. I, I thought Carolina was coming out of the East. That's just a that, that's a devastating loss for Carolina. Well, I think we can both agree that Colorado is going to finish it here on Wednesday against Arizona. So Vancouver and St. Louis is the late game here in the Edmonton bubble, and this series is fascinating. In the first two games, Vancouver played very very well, played excellent hockey at five on five, and of course took advantage of Jordan Bennington not playing particularly well. The last two games, St. Louis has won them both. Vancouver's only scored three goals in the last two games. And it's been Jake Allen, who's been terrific. 61 saves on 64 shots. Markstrom has still played well, but the Canucks not doing as much offensively as they did in the first two games of the series. What about this swing game here in game five? What do you think? Well, the, the goaltending change worked, and I thought Bennington was really sketchy in, in the round robin. I mean, he had a good game, then he had a bad game. Uh, he just didn't look right, and Allen's auditioning for a future job because uh, he's out of there after this year. So uh, I, I think St. Louis has found their groove. Uh, and, and the other thing is the longer – the long, and, and Vancouver's a speedy, quick team. And we're seeing it on display here. St. Louis kind of found their legs here. But what St. Louis did last year is they wore teams down in series. So, you know, by the time you get to a sixth or a seventh game, the, the pounding they give you takes a toll. And St. Louis looks like, uh, you know, they're on a tootsie roll here. And by the way, I wouldn't sleep on the Arizona-Colorado thing. That there's, there's a wagering opportunity. Uh, I, I played them yesterday on the puck line. I, I, Colorado, to me, is winning the cup. I mean, I, I've said this all year long. Um, Kemper stood on his head the other day, just like Crawford. It's like in Colorado's like enough of this. 
And, you know, tomorrow, it, it probably kind of the same thing. You know, I mean, it's like a 6-1. I, I honestly, I think they murder them, and it's a, they're minus two bucks. But I think on the puck line, I mean, you'd be pretty close to pick if you played Colorado on the puck line. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't just gloss over it and say, yeah, yeah I'm not laying a big number. Play the puck line. So we transition over to the golf side of things here as the FedEx Cup playoffs begin at TPC Boston in the Northern Trust here coming up on Thursday. But, Brian, I, I pulled a Brian Blessing last week. I had the runner-up with Billy Horschel. Yeah, well, I guess I pulled a Brian Blessing and had Jim Herman. <laughs> no, I, honest to God, you sent me the text you had Horschel on Sunday night, and we hadn't talked, and I'm like, don't hate me. But I, I, this is what we've talked about on this podcast. That, and I, honestly, I'm I'm proud of myself because I've been kind of listening to myself. Where I, you know I shoot for the fence, and with three guys at, at big numbers, something along those lines, and then watch the tournament and jump in. And on Friday night of the PGA, I got Morikawa at fifty to one higher than his odds were to uh, to win the tournament before it started. And a memory escapes me, Adam, maybe you remember, but I think he was, was he down five, maybe, going to the weekend, yeah, something, something like that. that. Yeah. So, so this past weekend, I had three long shots, one of them being Taylor Gooch, who going to the weekend at 120 to one, one of them who was tied for the lead. So I said, well, I'll just ride this out with him and play matchups. Well, Gooch spits the bit on Saturday. So now I'm like, well, okay, I'm out of this. I got nothing. Uh, so I, I, I went and I looked. Now, Jim Herman shot a 61 on Saturday, and honestly, nobody sh- shoots around like that and follows it up with an, another great round. But I'm sitting there going, you know, when this guy's in contention, he's actually pretty steely-eyed. Uh, Sunday morning, Sunday morning. He's four shots back, and I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm going, well, Sung J.M. had a hole-in-one. He had the great day. So I, I, I could see him kind of regressing, and I'm rooting for Horschel because I've got a, a bet on him for the FedEx Cup at 200-1. to So a win for him is monstrous, but the, the ideal scenario for me is he finishes second. And for, on Sunday morning, I did get a piece of Herman at 50-1. to So back-to-back weeks after the tournament started, got the winner at 50-1. to But for this week... So and the result couldn't have worked out better for me because Horschel gets a boatload of FedEx points. He moves up in now that as of today he'd be, make it to the Tour Championship, and he's the guy, a kind of guy. He loves the courses, the rotation they're playing, and he's a former FedEx Cup champ. I don't know what it was or what I was watching. It was back in February, and I said, you know, I know what he's like at the end of the year, and he was playing okay, and. And I, I just I put a couple bucks on him at two hundred to one to win the FedEx Cup. Uh, before the PGA, I said there's something telling me watch out for Adam Scott coming back off the layoff because he he had been just away he'd been in Australia. So I bet him at eighty to one for the FedEx Cup and he played well at the PGA. So I've got two guys I got a real vested interest in to play very well this week on the premise that the the Tour Championships coming up. And by the way, that format if you remember, it's the leader of the FedEx Cup standings starts the round. It's it's not the top five guys can win it. It's the leader starts at 10 under. The second place guy in the standings is at 8 under. Uh, third place is at uh, 
seven, I believe, six maybe, and then it's one shot down. So the the guys that have the lead in the standings get a running head start. So we're not sitting there with permutations with four holes to go. If this guy wins and that guy finishes ninth, and I, you know, so from that end of it, it makes sense. But anybody you bet this week with conviction, you should absolutely put a bet on them to win the FedEx Cup because those numbers they'll be gone after Sunday. No, that's an excellent point. And and when you look at this Northern Trust here at TPC Boston, keep in mind that this event typically floats around to different courses. But if you are a course form player, if that is something that is part of your handicap, TPC Boston used to host the Dell Technologies Championship, which was also the Deutsche Bank Championship. So this course has been used a lot. We do have a lot of data from this course. It's just not from this event specifically. Top 125 in the FedEx Cup playoffs are there. And I believe all tw- all 125 of them, at least as of now, are in the field. So we'll see if we get any withdraws, anybody with a COVID test, something like that. The field does get cut to 70 next week for the B- for the BMW Championship. That's at Medina. And then the Tour Championship at Eastlake is the top 30. But you got DeShambo and JT, the 12-1 to favorites. Rory and Rom 14. Dustin Johnson, 16. He's played very well here of late. Shoffley and Morikawa, both 20 to 1. Day, Simpson, Kepka, 25. Again, top 125 players in the FedEx Cup standings here. So it's an outstanding field. No, it absolutely is. And don't forget, there is a cut for this tournament. After this, there are no cuts. So, so there will be a 36 hole cut for this event. Um, there are some guys I'm looking at in, in the nice price range. I got to believe, I got to stick it out with Adam Scott. He's sitting there 34th in the FedEx Cup standings. And I think he's fresh as a daisy. And I thought he played extremely well at the PGA. And I I can see Scott, you know, winning one of the next two uh, and having a real shot to win the tour championship. And I'm I'm rooting for that. Uh, I'm not going to bet Horschel this week. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for him. You know, I'd love to get him in the top five uh, going to Atlanta. But from the, the price play perspective, I think the break hurt Sung J M more than anybody. And because he played week after week after week, he never stopped. He, he just he never stopped playing. And he's sitting there at number five in the FedEx Cup standings. But this week, they're giving you a number on him uh, that – it's very hard to pass up. Like I, the kid is starting to round back into form, and I watched him this past weekend. You know, when he gets the putter going, uh, he's real dangerous because believe me, he can throw darts. But for for some reason, you know, they got him in the sixty to one range. So I like Sung J M. I like Adam Scott. Uh, Scott's uh, forty, I believe, this week. Sung J M. sixty, and the other guy I'm going to play that I think. Uh, you know, it's the last thing I saw. I was really impressed that final round at the PGA from uh, Matthew Wolf, and he is a guy that just flat out can go low, and, and I can see him getting hot. And I, you know, seventy to one on Matthew Wolf. Those are the three I'm 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 running into this tournament with these guys. And by the way, there you know there's a lot of money they're all motivated but wolf is motivated he's 33rd in the FedEx Cup standings he's another guy i could see 
uh, all of a sudden getting white hot here in the next three weeks. And, and don't forget, the, the, the money's stupid. The winner of the Tour Championship gets $15 million. And they had the Wyndham uh, Rewards Top 10. You know, Justin Thomas is sitting on his yacht Sunday, made $2 million, you know, the, drinking a Mai Tai. You know, good work if you can get it, I guess. So for those listening out there, I mean, you know, if you got kids, I don't have any, but if you got kids, put a golf club in their hands and you know, see yeah. what see what maybe transpires. <laughs> there are a handful of players I'm looking at. I mean, look, I'm playing Colin Morikawa this week. I know he's only twenty to one, but I mean, this is a ball strikers kind of course, par seventy one, seventy three fifty or so in yardage. Uh, you got to hit it. You know, you got to hit it to the green. If you put it. Somewhere in a bunker around the green or in some of the rough that's around those can be a real challenge. Morikawa is the best iron player on tour. I don't even know if it's that close anymore. I got to play Morikawa at 20 to 1. I know it's not a sexy pick by any means, but I do like him. Daniel Berger at 33 to 1. Same thing. Great ball striker. Played great since the restart. But a couple of other prices I am taking a look at here. Paul Casey at 45 to 1. I mean, Paul Casey was second in strokes gained tee to green at the PGA Championship. Played fairly well last week at the Wyndham. Wasn't great, but it seems like he's kind of made some adjustments. And again, if you are a course form handicapper, I do think it's nice if you know your way around the course. Paul Casey's got two top fives and a 21st in his last three starts at TPC Boston. So I like him a little bit. You like Sung Im at 66 to 1. I like Kevin Kisner at 66 to 1. Great putter. 10th in strokes gained tee to green last week. 6th in strokes gained approach. Top 20 at the PGA Championship. He was top 15 in strokes gained approach there. So I'm not taking any big long shot plays this week, but I like Morikawa. I like Berger. I like Casey. I like Kisner. Maybe add another one here along the way, but those are kind of the four guys I'm looking at. Unbelieve me, uh, you know, I'm a fan of Morikawa. Uh, but the only... And I, I I like all your picks. The, the only thing I would say and what would keep me, I want to see him. You know, I, I want to see what's shaking here with him because you win the PGA Championship. This is not going to be the case for this kid. He's going to be like Spieth was, you know, out of the gate. But virtually 90% of guys that win that first major, it, it, they've not disappeared, but it takes them a while to win again. Uh, and you just think what a whirlwind it has to have been for this kid for the last two weeks after winning the major. Uh, I want to see him on the course before I'd step in. That would be the only cautionary tale I'd give you about Morikawa. Talent-wise, every week he tees it up, he can win. The the only thing I guess I would counter that with is, you know, in in this bubble where you're trying to protect yourself and, you know, all that, it's kind of hard to, you know, go out and live the high life or – you know, anything like that. I mean, it's it's kind of a little bit of a tempered experience. You know, I mean, the, the lid comes off the trophy when he holds it up and, you know, there's no fans to celebrate him or anything like that. So maybe it's just a little bit of a, of a different feel here because it's 2020 and everything's yeah. just all screwed up. But I mean, the, God, the kid's so good. I, and I love watching him play too. You know I mean? It's, it's great to watch guys like Deshambo who can hit it 400 yards, but you know, then he bitches and moans about fire ants. You know, like Morikawa just goes about his business and yeah. does it really well. He's fun to watch, man. He well, really the most is. impressive thing about him is a lot of guys would have vaporized for a long time after missing the short putt at Colonial, uh, where, you know, he had a short putt to win on 18. He missed it, and he had basically a three-footer to extend it in a playoff and missed that. And a lot of guys would have just folded 
uh, in the next two months, and he just come back and showed the guts of a burglar in Ohio, putting the birdie on top of Justin Thomas, and then winning the PGA. So, no, I mean he's he's steely eyed. There's no doubt about it. it. It's just one of those things. I, I yeah, I don't. He's not out there going nuts. I think part of it is just to recapture that uh, intensity of of being involved in a major, and then you know hitting a shot. We're going to talk about for the next uh, well, rest of our lives. Uh, every time, every time the PGA's played, right? They're going to show, they're going to show Tiger running after the putt and pointing at it. And now, and then on top of it, now they're going to show Morikawa's shot on the par four that he put at six feet from the hole. No, no, that's that's very true. And it was funny too because you know he was in the clubhouse already, kind of waiting on everyone to finish up, and they kept showing those shots of him. And he's in the tent and he's watching the replays of his shots, and him and his caddy are just kind of laughing smiling about it and all that it was just it was kind of a surreal moment and it it is always weird when those guys that aren't in the last group are the ones in the clubhouse with the lead and they're either waiting on the playoff or just waiting to actually go out there and collect their you know comically large check and nice trophy well you watched it this past week how different guys handle it i mean literally if billy horschel had made the putt he would have won the tournament by default because herman almost swallowed the the cap of the water bottle he was drinking. He was so nervous. <laughs> did, did you watch him? He was in there watching this thing. I mean, literally, the poor guy looked like his head was going to explode. All right, so let's talk a little bit of IndyCar here. You know, usually we talk NASCAR on the tail end of the show, but with the Indianapolis 500, why not? Scott Dixon, your plus 450 favorite. Alexander Rossi, plus 700. Marco Andretti, who's been running very well here of late. Plus 800, same as Ryan Hunter-Ray. What are you thinking about here for the Indianapolis 500, Brian? Well, I was heartbroken uh, that the kid qualified so good. Uh, I am all about Takuma Sato. He's on the outside of the front row. I Believe me, and I wish he was 20th. I really do. This guy's nuts. He is absolutely crazy. He, he'll win or wreck. There, there's no middle ground. He is just insane. He is fearless. He's won it before, and uh, got him at sixteen to one. You know, uh, I was wishing he was mid pack, and you got the twenty five, thirty to one kind of price on him. I, I this, I just love this guy. He's nuts. He and I love the Indy five hundred. My the Masters is my favorite sporting event. The Stanley Cup playoffs, in its totality, are the best sporting event. And one of my favorite, it's it right up there. I grew up with it. I love it. I, I'll never forgive them. They ruined the IndyCar racing circuit when they split factions 25 years ago or whatever. And it, it's almost unwatchable everywhere else. But there's something about Indy. The racing's great. There's drama. Uh, it, there's passing. And I, I, I just I love it. So it's one of my favorite days of the year is the Indy 500. So I'm in on Sato. And I'll tell you. Uh, I, I got Fernando Alonso at a hundred to one, and he's starting twenty sixth. This guy is going. He's a war, Formula One world champion driver who's tried the last couple of years uh, to win the Indy Five Hundred to to win every prestigious race. He almost won it the first year he was here. Had a problem late last year. The car was bad. He didn't even qualify. He's he's in this event, and he's going back and returning to F1 next year for Renault. And Renault's already told him 
Good luck this weekend. We're not letting you do this next year. You're not. We're not allowing you to. You're you're F one next year. And this guy's starting twenty sixth, and he said the car is good, and he, they they didn't have the speed for qualifying. But the difference, Adam, is there's qualifying trim and race trim, and it, when they set the car up for race trim, that's when it becomes a driver's race. And he is absolutely got a shot to win this thing, and he's a hundred to one only because he's starting in row 26, which doesn't mean a thing. I mean, by the third lap, he could be running seventh. You know, I mean, and if the race trim, if they set up the race trim that the car is competitive, then he's the X factor. I I think Alonzo at 100-1 to is a ridiculous overlay. But if Sato doesn't wreck, I think he wins. Sato did win this back in 2017, so we'll see. If he can do it again here this year for Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. What do you got going on on those two shows right now, Brian? Oh, uh, well, uh, it's great. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. Just so much for us to talk about with with the games morning, noon, and night, and uh, hockey and hoops and Sportsbook Radio with all the uh, sportsbook directors, the, the top sportsbook directors in Vegas, our dear friends, and get their take on the other side of the counter. And the hockey show, obviously, is like Nirvana. Uh, every day, we great guests around the hockey world, and we got tons of hockey to talk about. So that's noon to two uh, Pacific time. KSHP.com, where there's a listen live function. I archive the shows at sportsbookradio.com and put the links out for that and other podcasts on my Twitter at Brian Blessing. Brian, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate your time as always, and we'll talk to you again soon. Uh, Adam, always a pleasure, bud. Um, Let's go for football. Let's uh, train training camps. You know, it's. it's I know we got. You're wrapping it, but they. Here we go, man. Even with no preseason games, right? The Cowboys lose McCoy for the year. Uh, just get him on the field to start playing football. Yeah, let's definitely hope that winds up being the case. And yeah, I mean, we're kind of seeing some possible moving parts with college football too. I mean, SEC releasing their conference schedule yesterday and. I don't know. I, I still I still don't think college football happens. I think the NFL will give it a go and will probably have more success with it. But, uh, hey, you know, still a lot of moving parts here with, you know, what, two and a half weeks, three weeks until the start of the NFL season? Yeah, in, in the next three, four weeks. And I don't know that they, they do it, but I, they'd be – I'm sure they'd consider it. They, they wouldn't want to put the Sasquatch foot on college football – but if it literally comes down to a conference or two, the NFL might just sit there and say, all right, we're playing Thursday night. We're playing two on Friday. We're playing three on Saturday. Uh, we'll have a boatload of games on Sunday. And then we'll do a Monday night doubleheader. And virtually every NFL game becomes a standalone game that's being televised uh, where you're not watching five games at once. And the handle would go through the roof. So that would be something to watch for for me in the next little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I mean, I think that's something that the NFL is probably going to try to do, you know, spread things out a little bit more, not stack, you know, what, 12 of their 14 Sunday games at, you know, one o'clock. That seems like a good idea for them to spread it out a little bit. And, you know, hey, I guess we'll see how everything shakes out. But, Brian, again, appreciate your time. I know. I'm just saying, if you played, you would only do one on Thursday because that's a nightmare for teams that play Thursday. But if you play. Maybe get rid of Thursday and just do Friday. Well, they, I, well, the TV contract is balloon money on Thursday. I don't know. I don't know if that they would change that. But say you played one on Thursday, you played two on Friday. That's three. Uh, you play 
three on Saturday. That's five. You're playing two on Monday. That's seven. So then basically what are you looking at in the seven to eight game range on a Sunday where three of them are, you know, well, no, five of well, them. Well, one, right? one's in prime time. One, but, but I'm saying with the, with the networks, you'd have five with the two early on network, two late on network, and a prime time. Leaves you only to like two games a week that would be, you know, if you say is the less – uh, least attractive games that were going opposite another game. I think it's a great idea. I, I think we've we've had a lot of great ideas here on this show. Some of them seem to have come to fruition. Others have not. Like, I think everybody should be mic'd up in every sport because that would be a whole lot of fun, along with oh, that pay-per-view hey, broadcast, as you mentioned. By the one, by the way, um, it was hilarious last night. It was the end of the Yankees game. Uh, I don't know if you were watching this. And you never hear that. And this is why the hockey would be so, so spectacular. Uh, it was Chapman in the ninth inning. Uh, what's the guy? Was it uh, for the Red Sox? Uh, Miller? Or who, uh, who was it? Anyway, it? It was an outside pitch. It was a slider that broke around the plate. And literally, and Jim Cott was calling it. It was like Jim Cott saying it. He, The Red Sox guy, he turns around, he looks at the upper, and he goes, no effing way. And, and they just cracked up. You know, and I mean, you know, the language, I, you know, it's not about hearing them curse, but to hear the, the actual things they're saying to each other and interacting. So it gave you a window after all these years were alive, you know, what the batter says to the umpire when, when he gets a call he disagrees with. You know, it's, uh, I, I really think they should have brought the audio into a, be a major focal point of this. And, you know, they're worried about language, please. No, no, I I completely agree. I absolutely agree with you, Brian. And uh, again, a lot of stuff for us to talk about next week here and in subsequent weeks as well. So really appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Have a great day. There you go. There's Brian Blessing, once again, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Sportsbookradio.com, KSHP.com, at Brian Blessing on Twitter. Thursday, I'll be back again with another edition of the Betters Box, talking all things Major League Baseball. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again on Thursday.